Welcome once again to A Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart, National Coach with Curling Canada, coming to you from my home in Grand Bend, Ontario, on the ancestral land of the Kettle and Stony Point First Nations. A Pain in the Glass podcast is sponsored by Canada Curling Stone of Kamoka, Ontario. My guest today is a curler. And he is an experienced curler, and I say experience in quotes and italics and boldface because Jimmy Hong of the Cranbrook Curling Facility, I'm guessing, has probably more experience than most of us. You see, Jimmy is 96 years of age. Not just 96 years of age, but a very active and dedicated 96 years. He curls at the Cranbrook Curling Facility three times per week. And as you will hear, he takes this curling pretty seriously, even though, as you might suspect, it's the social aspect and the friends that he has made along the way that really is the heart and soul of the reason that he enjoys curling. So I want to thank my friend Pat Sanders for alerting me to get in touch with Jimmy, Jimmy Hong. And so let's hear what a gentleman has to say who has that much curling experience. So, Jim, welcome to A Pain in the Glass podcast. Thank you very much for doing this uh, all the way from Cranbrook, British Columbia, supernatural British Columbia, as I like to call it. Jim, you're 96 years of age which means that you're really just starting your curling career. You've got a lot of curling in front of you, I'm guessing. But how did you get started? Where did you get started? And what attracted you to curling those many years ago? I was born in Gleason, Alberta, probably on the Blackfoot Reserve Hospital. And I lived in Clooney, Alberta. And uh, in Clooney, we had a two-sheet natural ice rink. And when I was eight years old, I started to learn to curl. And I got my curling on natural ice for years there. And then uh, they had uh, artificial ice. And uh, uh, in Gleeson, which is the next town, and I started to curl there. And I ended up later on curling all over the province of Alberta. Jim, not very many of my listeners, me included, I've seen natural ice in Red Lake, Ontario, but I didn't have the opportunity to actually curl on it. What was different about natural ice as opposed to artificial ice, perhaps how it was installed in the first place? So give us an idea of what curling on natural ice was like. In Clooney, it was uh, water from artesian wells which is uh, uh, when you drill a hole 40 feet down into the ground, the water comes up automatically. And it, it was 
pressurized, and we use that to flood the ice. And uh, that's how we add natural ice in Clooney. Well, I know all about artesian wells because I grew up in Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario, and our municipal water supply, interestingly enough, was from artesian wells. So I understand what you're saying. Now, what was when you when you curled on natural ice as opposed to artificial ice? What was the difference? Was it slower, faster, curled more, curl less? Ice was much keener, and it didn't curl as much. But uh, we eventually got it down so we could uh, know how heavy to push the rock, and they were old curling rocks that we curled on. Well, it must have been fun for the ice technician to try to make the conditions as consistent as possible, because I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were at the mercy of the outside temperature, because the temperature inside the curling facility and the temperature outside would have been pretty much the same. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And if a Chinook come out, Come, uh, which was quite often in Clooney, uh, ice would melt and uh, you couldn't curl too good there. Yes, it must have been pretty hard to schedule games because <laughs> it might have been too warm. Was it ever too cold to play on natural ice? No, we always curled, whether it was real cold or half warm. When the Chinook hits, we tried to curl and we had to, if the ice got too watery, we had to quit then. Now, some of my listeners uh, from in other parts of the world, I have people listening to the podcast in Europe. Explain what you mean by Chinook. A Chinook is a warm wind that blows from the south, southwest, and uh, it it would change uh, the temperature from, say, 10 below to 40 above, and then the ice would melt. And how quickly would the Chinook affect the temperature? How quickly would the temperature change from, um, you know, 40 degrees, 50 degrees? How quickly could that happen? It, it could happen in about two hours. And sometimes it takes a little longer. But most of the time when it's, you know, kids, it does melt. Yeah, it's that, yes, it's that old story in Canada. If you don't like the temperature, just stick around for a while because it'll change later today. <laughs> and certainly a Chinook does that. Now, when you when you started curling, did, did you curl recreationally or did you curl competitively pretty quickly in your career? It was recreational till I got into my teens. And when I got into the teens, we started going to different places in Alberta to curl. So I've curled all over Alberta. And what when you started to play competitively, what position did you play? I played all positions. 
uh, usually second or third. I didn't skip that much, but I, in my older years, I have skipped. Now, of course, most of my listeners never swept curling rocks. They brushed curling rocks. I'm guessing you did a lot of sweeping. What kind of brooms did you use? Uh, at first, we used straw brooms, and uh, it was quite noisy at times. I've learned to pop the boom with, with the straws in them, and it was quite a, a bit of fun. I really well, enjoyed the straw brooms. Well, you and I were very similar that way. I played front end most of my career, and I started with straw brooms. And when my sweeping partner and I, I, I played with the same person, his name is Bob Service, and we played together through our entire competitive careers, sweeping most of the time. And for two sweepers to be in perfect synchronization was Really fun to see and, of course, fun to hear because it sounded as though there was only one broom instead of two. Now, we weren't as efficient, of course, as brushers, but it sure was, in my opinion, still much more fun. Uh, do you now use a brush when you brush, Jim? Yes, I do use a brush now, but I don't sweep that often now because of my legs are a little stiffer but i can still can sweep now when when you deliver a curling rock jim are you using the delivery stick or are you using the regular slide delivery i'm using a delivery stick for the last three years i use this stick on the boom and this year, I have changed to just a regular stick, which is uh, quite uh, a little more accurate than the one on the broom. There are a lot of my listeners who are now using a delivery stick, some who are in the transition phase from a slide delivery to using the delivery stick. What advice would you give to someone who is transitioning from a slide delivery to using the stick? I'd, I'd say go directly to use a stick and not the one on the broom, because a broom does throw you off, off the target. Yeah, for those that are a little bit unsure what Jim is referring to, you can put a device on the handle of your brush, which will act like a delivery stick. And I agree with Jim. It's much better to have two separate implements, have a delivery stick to deliver the rock and then your brush to brush the rock. Is, is that the way you see it as well, Jim? Yes, I do now. Yes. I couldn't believe it when my son insisted I try to stick about three weeks ago, and it made a lot of difference. Well, so many people, when it, we get to the age where the knees and the legs are not as cooperative as they once were, 
Uh, so many people have to make that big decision to either stop the sport that they've enjoyed for so long or to use the stick. And I tell people that you don't want to quit the sport you loved for so long. It's 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 quite as much fun. It's just as much fun, I should say, with the stick. What 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 did you find more was the most difficult aspect from making a curling shot when you went from a slide delivery to using the stick? Was there was there any aspect of delivering the rock that you found particularly challenging? It's a step when you walk from the when you deliver your rock, I find it was quite different than sliding on the ice. Now, Jim, as far as weight control is concerned, do you pretty much walk at the same speed and then push a little bit harder or less hard um, to control the weight? How how do you control the the weight of the stone when you're executing a draw so many people who use a delivery stick will tell me that's the greatest challenge is getting draw weight uh, takeout weight not quite so much of a challenge but draw weight so how, how how do you add just six feet to a shot so if you delivered a rock to the top 12 foot and then the skip asked you to go around to the button. Your skip is asking you to add six more feet to the shot. How do you do that, Jim? I, I take uh, further steps uh, for more weight and less steps for less weight. So you, you deliver the rock with a, um, a different number of steps? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, from the from the hack, I take uh, less steps for a draw and more steps for a takeout. Okay, that's that's interesting how you do that. I've not heard that too often, but it's it's what works for you, right? Now, yes. how often, Jim? How often do you play at the Cranbrook Curling Center? Uh, uh, Monday nights and. Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So you play three times a week? Yes. <laughs> well, good for you. At 96 years of age, I think that's terrific. Now, you know I'm going to ask this next question. To what do you attribute your obvious great health? I don't know. I didn't realize I would live this long, but as long as I... And curl, I just love being around. W.C. Field said, if I knew I was going to last this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. But that's not the case with you. You you, you were a good living person right from the start? Um, in a way, I was, but I had breathing problems since I was born. And I still have some, but I'm coping with it. Well, my listeners can't see what you look like, but you look terrific. You look like you're about 50 years of age, Jim. Well, thank you. <laughs> now, when you play at the Cranbrook Curling Center those three times, uh, describe the difference between when you play those three times in the week. Is, is one more competitive than the other? Give us a, an idea of the three times you play. 
Monday nights is uh, only six ends, and it's a fun game, and you run in uh, uh, people that are just learning, and I like to give them uh, hints uh, how to deliver rocks and and if you're hitting the boom and that and that that is a good experience. I like to see these young people curl. And Tuesday and Thursdays is competitive, but win or lose, I always enjoy curling. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, do you play with the same three teammates both of those days? Uh, we play for, I think, six, six uh, games, six or eight games. And then uh, we have a shuffle and we curl with different people all the time. And that is good. Now, when you started curling, did you have a role model? Did you have a family member or a friend who already was involved in curling? Or did you start because you liked it right from the beginning yourself? I tried it myself, and uh, and I did get help from uh, people that were curling before. I took them the heart. I assume that you're a, an avid spectator of curling on television. Is that was that fair to say? Yes, I watch any game that's on TV. What impresses you about the curling that you see on television now compared to when you started? The curlers now on TV are very precise in their delivery, their sweeping, and how much the rocks curl. Pat Sanders, our our friend, Pat Sanders, asked me to make sure I asked you about an aircraft, a plane. So what's this about a plane, Jim? I bought a plane, a brand new plane in 1949, and it was a Ronica Chief side by by side seat, a two seater with a wheel, not a stick. And uh, I paid $3,500 for it, and they threw in the flying lessons, and I soloed in five and a half hours of lessons. You soloed after just five and a half hours in the air. Really? Yes. It was only 85 horsepower uh, motor on it. And uh, then I uh, flew from Clooney, which is 100 miles east of Calgary, to Cranbrook because I had an aunt and uncle in lived in Fort Steele, and he worked for the forestry. So I'd fly in on the weekend to go fishing, and he, and my uncle knew all the lakes around. And that's how I learned uh, 
That's how I started to like Cranbrook. Now, how did you escape Alberta and come to BC? Uh, you grew up in Alberta, and something must have attracted you to BC, specifically Cranbrook. What was that, Jim? Well, I, I had a daughter here and a son here. And before that, I had two daughters that lived in Cranbrook. And uh, my breathing wasn't that well. So uh, at 77, I retired and I came to Cranbrook in 2004. Well, I think Cranbrook was very lucky to have you move there. I'm, I'm sure you're a very important member of that curling facility. Well, Jim, I hope that I can be as active as you at 96. I just hope to be around at 96 to have the opportunity. But I want to thank you for doing this for me today. Um, you, do you have a do you have a very busy day ahead of you today? I know you curled in the morning. So what do you have for the rest of your day, Jim? I have uh, hockey with the Cranbrook Bucks tomorrow and Saturday. So I'm busy those two days are, in the evening. Are you a spectator or are you a player? I have to ask, as you might I, be a player. I'm a spectator. <laughs> You're a spectator. Okay. Well, Jim, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. As I indicated, I'm coming up to uh, episode 96. And when Pat mentioned that she knew somebody who's curling actively and curling very well at 96, I thought, oh, that's a perfect marriage. So this is going to be published for a pain in the glass podcast episode 96 so jim i want to thank you for doing this well thank you very much it's been a pleasure talking to you and seeing you on the screen <laughs>Well, I don't very often get someone to say it was great seeing you, Bill. Well, of course, what Jimmy's referring to is, of course, the fact that we are on Zoom and it is a video conference, so to speak. I take off the video aspect of it and just use the audio track. And that was the difference, as I learned, between MP4, which is a file for video, and MP3, which is the file just for the audio I hope you found Jim's uh, stories and experiences interesting. Uh, a unique experience certainly for me, and I hope for you too, to hear somebody with those kinds of perspectives over such a long period of time. And thanks again to my friend, uh, Hall of Fame curler Pat Sanders for setting Jimmy and I up. And the listeners of the podcast, we will see you in one week. And for now, thank you once again good curling, and of course, think only those happy thoughts.